This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. From hockey to wrestling, football to golf, no sport left unturned. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. The boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning, everyone. Hi, everyone. Uh, this is Mike Wilson, the Ultimate Leafs fan. Once again, uh, filling in while uh, Wally is on, um, we'll call it uh, road management, holiday management instead of load management. And he'll be joining us on the phone this morning from the uh, sunny state of florida and wally how are things this morning down there uh things are great thanks mike i like that i love it what <laughs> would you call that vacation management holiday management holiday yeah. management yeah i i think i think i've been doing a poor job for the last 35 years of holiday management so we'll see if we can fix that so uh yeah it's been uh, it's been a good week but i'm back uh Back in T.O., got a flight today coming back, and uh, hopefully you guys got some good weather to uh, to. <laughs> good morning, Wally. What's happening? Hi, uh, how are you? Good. I mean, what's happening? Uh, you know what? Keeping an eye on the Leafs. Uh, you know, uh, I don't know if you guys want to get that into that first, Mike. Well, uh, I thought what yeah. we, there's a lot of things we want to talk about this morning. Sure. Of course, Naz is joining us here in the studio yeah. this morning, as always, the the. Uh, long-time uh, host with uh, Wally on this uh, wonderful show. Uh, but it's been a very, very... And, of course, joining us this morning to talk about the Maple Leafs, uh, host, co-host of uh, First Up on TSN, Carlo Kalayakovo, will be joining us. And we like... Curious to hear his thoughts on what is actually going on with the Maple Leafs. And th- from his perspective as a player, of what would be going through players' minds with the trade deadline and stuff coming up in the next few weeks. But, uh, obviously, it would be remiss if we didn't talk about the Super Bowl from last week. Obviously, the comeback for KC. You both of you guys are reminded had San Francisco. I had KC. <laughs> uh, obviously, the big story, couple big stories. The Raptors, of course, uh, fourteen in a row, and on they continue playing terrifically. Uh, Nick Taylor, obviously, the Canadian now, and, and this is close to your heart, uh, Wally, is, sure um, is. with uh, up against Mickelson today for hopefully he can go wire to wire on that. And do you remember? Well, we'll get to that in a second, but also we'll talk about obviously our Maple Leafs. Vince McMahon, obviously, is trying that XFL again. <laughs> I watched five minutes. Of and I couldn't. I don't know what the heck was, was going on. It was awful. And of course, we've got um, uh, you know our old Maple Leafs. We're going to be talking about in a few minutes. But we should take a second to talk about a Maple Leaf that is probably near and dear to both of us. Was uh, Brian Glennie. And Wally, well, let's start off with you. Your thoughts on Brian Glennie as a player who passed this week. You know what? Uh, um, I, I think Brian Glennie. You know, I heard he passed away. I wasn't aware of how ill he had been the last few years. But when I heard, I was kind of uh, kind of surprised. And, of course, that as soon as I hear the name Brian Glennie, it takes me back to the 1960s and 1970s. And, uh, you know, we remember those great times when we used to go to Maple Leaf Gardens on Sunday afternoon to watch the Marlies play. And, um, those were the days I, I couldn't afford to pick up tickets to go watch the Leafs play. So our entertainment was watching the Marlies on Sunday afternoons now, down at the gardens. And if we could score a pair of low greens. I mean, we were we were like kids in a candy store. Um, so when I when I heard about Brian, it brought me back to those days. Um, great, you know, great memories. 
Um, I'm not so sure Brian ever got the due that he deserved. I mean, he was he was sort of a little bit maligned in the 70s. Um, I don't want to use that term. Probably didn't. He's, you know, voted one of the 100 greatest Leafs of all time. One of the best. You know, you think of Brian Glenny. What do you think of open ice body checks? And, hip check, you know, hip check. Hip checks. One of the best ever. Remember this about Brian Glenny. Um, 1967, and Mike, I want you to talk about the, the reunion of the 67 team, yeah. the Marley team that you put together, uh, and Paul and whoever helped you out. Captain of that team, they won the Memorial Cup. Interesting thing about Brian Glennie, I, I long since forgotten, won a bronze medal at the 1968 Olympics, mm-hmm. played for Canada's national team at the 68 Olympics in Grenoble, Long since forgotten that he was part of that Summit Series team, Canada against the Russians. Didn't play in any games against the Russians, but was asked, and he showed up. Didn't go home. Um, played some games in Czechoslovakia and Sweden. Um, great advertisement. I, don't, I mean, I, I, you know, these are things you'll long forget, but when the name comes up, it brings back such great memories. Uh, the Hungry Man Ed with, with Lance oh. McDonald. Naz, I'm sure you remember that one. Of course. Uh, of course. So, you know, the name Brian Glennie off the radar screen for a while. Obviously sad to hear, you know, at the age of 73, you think about Dan Maloney in that disgraceful episode where Brian got jumped by Dan Maloney. And I got the opportunity to go watch that on YouTube this morning. Interestingly enough, there's not that many clips of it, but there's a really... You know, he got he got blindsided from the side, and, you know, Dane Maloney decided he was going to grab him by the head and shove his head on the ice. Um, so many parts of the Brian Glennie story. I will remember the best parts of the Brian Glennie story. He was a captain of a team that I admired, the 1967 Toronto Marlies. He was part of a great series, 1972. He's an Olympic medalist, and, one, and, and he's one of the greatest... Uh, one, in the greatest 100 Toronto Maple Leafs of all time, um, sadly well, missed. Mike, you, you while dating you ourselves, know the man better. While we're dating ourselves here, but you know, that's, my that's Zuma Radio, Mike. My that. my little quick story <laughs> is that I was 12 years old. Time and had a paper route, and my tips were two dollars from all my customers, and I used that two dollars to take a 10 cent bus ride from Scarborough to Maple Leaf Gardens, pay a dollar for a red seat, buy a 25 cent program, and have an ice cream bar. And I went to every one of those games that I could those on Sunday. Those ice cream bars were the best. Though, and, and with old Pop <laughs> selling them. And Glennie, of course, was the captain of that team. So I, that was my team along with the Maple Leafs. And, and so I, I, like you, share that memory. And a couple of years ago, Pat, Paul Pascal, who's the tireless historian, put together a group. We did a bunch of reunions for all the Marlboro teams that won Memorial Cups. And the 67 team we had just a few years ago, and I hosted it at my place. And Brian Glennie, unfortunately, didn't make it to my place because he got lost. They lost the address, and they were driving around our neighborhood and couldn't find it. They didn't think they were going to be able to get Brian down the stairs anyway because he was kind of sick at the time. But he did go to the reunion game, walked out in the ice, got a great ovation, and he was just uh, very, very happy. So just that that's my memory, along with him playing for the Leafs and the famous hip check. Yeah, he played, he played with heart and desire, that guy. He, he certainly did. Mike, I want to ask you, perhaps you're closer to the situation. And, you know, when you think of Brian Glennie, you think of the Dan Maloney incident, you think of the NHL uh, being in the Stone Ages in the 1970s in terms of uh, their failure to deal uh, with 
incidents that were basically assaults. Uh, in fact, that one, Maloney was taken to court. He was charged. And that was right around the time that McMurtry decided to do an, uh, an investigation into, ho- into violence in hockey. And, you know, they would sort of bring that, that episode and the Henry Boucher episode. We got a chance to talk to Henry Boucher a few years ago, and he's still quite bitter um, with the NHL about uh, he basically his, his career was destroyed. Uh, Naz helped me out. I can't remember the guy who did it anymore, Dave something or other. Um, was Glennie, uh, was Glennie ever the same after that incident, Mike? I mean, are any of his late, uh, Dave the stories Forbes. haven't come out. Dave and, Forbes uh, was the name. Uh, yeah. Dave or, Forbes, that's or Dennis Polonich. Yeah. They, um, um, the other, um, no, well, I, well, I mean, I don't know that from a personal standpoint, but I've been told that he was never the same. Uh, once after the Maloney incident, and you know, it just affected. I mean, obviously, when you get ragged all like that, but the concussion he got did have an impact on him. Apparently, according to what I've read and what I've heard uh, for the rest of his career. But um, you know, I guess that the fact is, the Leafs must, mustn't have thought that bad of what Maloney did because they traded for him a couple of years later for a couple of first round draft picks. So, and then he ended up coaching the team a few years after that. I was, you know what, you know, it's easy to be critical uh, 40, 50 years later. That was the NHL. That was hockey in the 1970s. You know, we look back on it now and say, what were we thinking? Um, But, you know, you know, they brought in Dan Maloney because they wanted to win hockey games, I guess, at the end of the day. And they needed a tough guy. Yep. And that's what they were missing. And that's what they were missing. I don't remember that Dan Maloney actually made all that much of a difference on those Leafs teams, but he was a tough guy and made other people uh, keep their heads up. And, you know, you needed some of those guys in your lineup or you were going to get, you were going to get knocked around the ice. So the Leafs, the Leafs traded Errol Thompson for him. Well, <laughs> uh, Errol Thompson was a great how, skater. Right. But going back, going back to Glennie uh, and that 67 Marley team, uh, I mean, there were some pretty good players on that team. There was Glennie, and there was Mike Pellick, and there was Brad Park, and I think Jerry Meehan Jerry was on Meehan that was team. Jerry Meehan was on that team, yeah. Terry Caffrey. And, and some, oh, you know, was Terry Caffrey on that yeah. team? Yeah, Terry Caffrey, you was, yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I used to love going, and I know I, I know we're dating ourselves, Mike, but, you know, every now this is Zoomer Radio. We love going down memory lane every now and then. And um, Terry Caffrey was probably my favorite Marley player from the, from the mid-'60s. I just thought he was... Uh, I just thought he was a, a classy player out there. I think he got it. He ended up in the Chicago system, but I, I'm not so sure he ever played in the WHA. There's always WHA. a debate. Who is the best, what was the best Marley team ever? Well, it was a 64 team. There's no question. Yeah. <laughs> Mike? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, because I mean, it was the, yeah, I mean, it, because the, remember, it was the Metro Junior A League yeah. folded and it was a combination of, uh, Neil McNeil, St. Mike's and the Marlies all as one team. And Con Smythe actually, or Stafford Smythe actually wanted to, that's why they wanted to put a team in London because they wanted to protect all the talent, but they wouldn't allow them. And yeah. so, but that team put together, I mean, I've, I've talked to Jim McKenney, a number of players off that team, and they said they knew no way anybody was going to beat them. They were that good. And I think they, every they, guy they, in the team playing the National Hockey League at one point. Oh, they had all kinds of talent on the on the '64 team, and they, it's. I think it's. Re, if if they were to pick the greatest junior A team of all time, uh, uh, the best team I ever saw that that '64 team. The only other one, perhaps, in the conversation was probably the '69 Montreal Junior yeah. Montreal Junior Canadiens team with Parole Tardif and Rajon Ull and Ga- and Gabe Ramont and little Bobby Lalonde. Um, 
you know, we're dating ourselves, Mike. I mean, uh, uh, I, I guess uh, the other team, the old five London Knights team, gets a lot of uh, yeah. a lot of recognition, and I'm sure there, there's a lot of people in Western Canada that would think that there's uh, quite a few Western Canadian teams that would uh, challenge for that title. But for me, it will always be the the 64 Marlies, Ron Ellis, Demkowski, Wayne Carlton, McKinney. Uh, there's an, another guy on defense. There was a chip chase. I can't even remember the Jackson, names anymore. Jackson. Yeah, they were. Uh, My yeah, neighbor, uh, Ray DuPont. <laughs> was he on that team? He was on that team. Well, you, we were talking prior to the show, and we were at the same Memorial Cup. Mike was at the Kitchener Memorial Cup. Yeah, all the one we had had the interesting story about that one. Uh, they beat New Westminster that day, didn't they? I, yeah, was that the seventy? Was that the seventy three or the seventy five Marley team? Seventy five, I think. Seventy five. Yeah, it must have been seventy five because I wasn't driving in seventy three. So we actually, Naz and I, made a game time decision to drive to that game and watch that game down at Kitchener and. Uh, that was a pretty good Marley team, too. And, Mike, you've been involved in quite a few, and Paul Pascal in quite a few Marley reunions. Uh, that yep. must be, when these guys get together, uh, I mean, they've all gone separate paths, but tell us a little bit about the experience. Well, what it's like putting, putting these guys together, because, you know, they must have, you know, when you go to battle together, there's bonds that, that always tie you together in perpetuity. Well, we had the 54, 55 team and all the Marley teams right up. And, and the common theme amongst all the guys that got back together again, I mean, if you, for lack of a better word, they all had this emotional attachment that at the time probably didn't mean that much to them because they were still in the height or building of their careers. So they thought this would probably never end. You know, when you win one Stanley Cup, you know, there's probably another one coming down the road, which, in fact, it doesn't happen like that. But they now sit back and reflect on what that time meant to them, the friendships that were developed. And these guys, some of them hadn't seen each other in 20, 30, 40 years. And they picked up conversations like they – and this is the one thing, I just like they'd met the day before – and it was, as I said just a second ago, it was so very emotional. And to sit back and enjoy all this, it's just something that's very difficult to describe unless you're in the room with these guys. But believe me, they all really felt it. And it was really funny how the word got out and they started approaching us about doing further reunions for other teams. Yeah, certainly. Uh, and just to go back to Brian Glennie, I will, uh, you know, good memories, captain of a great Marley team. Uh, <laughs> Naz, I'm sure you remember this one, the Hungry Man commercial where you ripped the, ripped the yeah, door off the bridge. Yeah, I remember Donald and Glennie. Uh, so he, uh, yeah, when I learned of his passing, it gave me a chance to look back on it and smile a little bit uh, about some great things that he did. Well, we've delayed long enough now talking about what the real problem is, which we saw last <laughs> night. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a short break, try and sort of regroup our thoughts on how to approach this and bring Carl back with us in a second. Stay with us. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville decided to stone bake our pizzas the traditional way. That was over 50 years ago. Since then, the big pizza conglomerate started cooking their pizzas on conveyor belts like you see at the airport. Now you can choose authentic Italian stone-baked pizza or pizza you could mistake for luggage. Pizzaville stone-baked pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. Are you real ready? 
If you're a real estate agent, we can help you sell more homes. A business owner, we'll help show it off to the community at large. And if you're a homeowner, we'll supply accurate floor plans for every room in your home. Because selling property is all in the details. Real Tours Media. Creators of 3D virtual tours, walkthrough video, HDR photography, logos and brands. Check out the one-stop shop for successful real estate agents. Realtoursmedia.ca With a little training, anyone can learn the security business while on duty at your home or company. It's unfortunate, but a lot of security companies are just not experienced enough to handle the complex dynamics of tactical security. And that little bit of training and experience can end up costing you a lot more than you bargained for. Peace of mind, trust, and honor is the foundation on which the Regal Security reputation is built. They're driven, they're respected, and they're unrivaled. They're everyday superheroes. Visit them online at regalsecurity.ca and find out how much they know, not how much they can learn. To become a champion in business, it takes coaching, training, and bench strength. And every team needs a skilled player like KPMG Enterprise for private companies. KPMG Enterprise helps entrepreneurs and family businesses grow, strengthen, and transition by offering a full suite of services, including audit, accounting, tax, and advisory. Your business doesn't stand still. It evolves. Team up with a winner. Visit kpmg.ca slash enterprise. Let's do this. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. They're not here to be nice. They're here to be right. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. And we're back. I'm Mike Wilson, Ultimate Leafs fan, hosting this morning along with Naz and Wally joining us from Florida. And I believe we were almost, live radio as Wally always likes to say when he's sitting in his chair is sometimes a little bit of a challenge, sometimes with phone numbers. And we were having a problem for a second getting a hold of Carlo, but we now have him. And joining us this morning, a host of, or co-host of uh, uh, a fine radio show in the morning, a friend of mine, Michael Landsberg, goes along with him on First Up. Joining us, Carlo Kaliakovo. Good morning, Carlo. Hey guys, how are you? We're doing good this morning. So, I mean, let's let's start with the obvious question. And uh, what's wrong with our old Maple Leafs this morning, Carlo? Yeah, I'm not really sure. I mean, um, I, I know they're in a, a, a tough on schedule. Uh, they they just completed three games in four nights, but uh, you know they're 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 going through some uh, some injuries too. But uh, definitely, uh, you know, when you look at the at, at the schedule as a whole and, and just what they completed. Yeah, they got three games or three point three out of four points in back to back games and 
um, you know, solidified a two-point lead in 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 the division or in the playoff race. But uh, a lot to be concerned about with this Maple Leafs team, and and mostly in particular with uh, their, their their mentality when it when the third period starts. Um, a trend that we've been seeing over the last couple of games, where um, you know they just get too comfortable with 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 their game and maybe overconfident with. Uh, the score and um, you know uh, don't play a full 60 minutes and uh, it's it's cost them a couple points especially uh, here in, in in the last week Carlo are they done trading now I I can't believe uh, that they should be um, I mean clearly there's uh, you know all, all the talk with this team being close to uh, the cap and being strapped uh you know, with injuries, it's it's created a luxury for them right now, where uh, they're going to have cap space available to address certain needs. Is um, I think it's just it, it's a matter of uh, Kyle and company being able to accomplish what they want without giving up uh, as much as they can. Uh, but I mean, if you look at this team, you know, it's I think it's safe to say that the, there there needs there needs to be some help on defense. Um, I think they did a good job addressing the, the backup goalie situation. I think Jack Campbell's looked really, really strong in the last two games, and it's unfortunate they wasted an incredible effort from him last night. Um, you know, not solidifying the win, but uh, you know, uh, it's it's going to be tough for them uh, to address the defense position. You know, where do they go with it? Because uh, if you if you paid attention around the league, a lot of teams that are in a similar position as the Maple Leafs have experienced uh, injuries to defensemen too. So the price is going to be high for those guys. Carlo, Wally here. How are you? Hey, Wally. How you doing, man? I'm great. Uh, listen, um, I noticed you tweeted the other day, right after the trade, uh, in quotation marks, backup goalie and toughness solved. Close mm-hmm. quotation marks. Um, let, I'll give you an opportunity. Uh, has the backup goalie and the toughness issue actually been solved? I, I think it has. I mean... <laughs> Clearly, you look at Jack Campbell. He's signed for another two years. Uh, he ain't going anywhere else with that with that position. Um, I think he's shown in his last two games that he's capable of being a guy you can trust. Uh, the one thing I really, really like about the move is you know the Maple have admitted their mistake uh, in in regards to solidifying the backup job by understanding that you need a guy that that makes more than seven hundred thousand um, dollars. They've allocated one point six. Uh, to what uh, Jack Campbell's supposed to make to the ne- for the next two years to that position, because uh, clearly, if 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 the opportunity was there for them to address it early in the year, they would have done so. But they they who are you going to who are they going to find across the league that made close to what Hutchinson made? I mean, clearly they did with Campbell, but it cost them. It cost them a good player in, in Trevor Moore, uh, who who had his struggles this year, but. Uh, they had to sacrifice two third-round picks to do so, and you know I think Cal Dubas will, will probably find it hard to admit that you know you can't have a full team playing the, the the same way. I mean, it's not they've gone a little bit out of their out of their strategy and or at least out of their playbook in in the way they've identified players and want to play a puck possession game. But I think they've realized as this year has gone along, they need a little bit more sandpaper and bringing in a guy like Clifford. Has addressed that, um, you know, a guy with winning experience, a guy with sandpaper, and a guy that can play a certain role for you. 
Well, Carlo, oh, I think one of the things ahead. that the team is uh, is missing is clearly lacking, uh, my, from what I view, anyway, I'm sure everybody else sees too, is the back end, particularly to getting the puck out of their own end. And mm-hmm. one of the guys that, I mean, here's a name I'll throw it at you, Tyson Berry, who ha- has his struggles on defense, as we've been finding all year, and I think has underperformed or, uh, most of the year. Would you, him being an unrestricted free agent, I think, depending on the availability or the health of Morgan Raleigh going forward, and if they get Jake Muzzin on a contract or not, could you see at least possibly trading him? I know they probably wouldn't get much because he is going to be an unrestricted free agent, but could that be a possibility? Mm-hmm. I think you have to entertain all possibilities at this point. The, the tough thing for Tyson Berry is um, can you find somebody out there that can bring the same type of positive game that he brings? And it's no secret he struggled defensively, but he's been that type of player his whole career. I mean, if they did their homework on this guy, even in his time in Colorado when Patrick Waugh was a coach, he, he had the same criticism about this guy. But if there's one thing that he did really well was he knew how to run a power play, he knew how to create points, he knew how to generate offense. And I think we're seeing most of that in this game here in Toronto. It's just his defensive lapses have stood out particularly earlier in the year when he was having his struggle. So if you're going to think about trading a guy like that, I mean, the Maple Leafs, his cap hit on the Maple Leafs is 2.75. Can you find a guy out there that's going to replace that that's same thing that he brings with that same cap? And yes, they have a little bit more to work with now because of injuries, but um, they also have to ask, you know, maybe entertain what his, what his wish is. Will he entertain being here next year? What's his price going to be? I think these are all options that they have to discuss, but there's still two weeks left, and they play a lot of games in the next two weeks, and a lot can be decided at that point. So um, I think uh, all, all everything's on the table at this point, if you're asking me. Uh, Carlo, I, what I find disconcerting about uh, Leafs' performance recently, especially the last two nights, uh, they get a lead, uh, they turtle, uh, they got seriously outshot, Friday night in the third period, and also last night. So far this year, I think the stats, I think this is the stat, correct me if I'm wrong, they've had the lead nine times in the third period that they've given up um, with no result. If you're Sheldon Keefe, um, if you're a coach and you've played, um, what do you do? To, what do you do to turn that around? I mean, if you're capable of outplaying a team in the first and second period, yeah. That tells me you're capable of outplaying a team in a third period as well. But, you know, I mean, I know it's human nature to try and protect the lead. That's pretty obvious. But, man, to get outplayed the way they've been outplayed the last, the last two games in the third period and giving up leads in the third period, what do you do as a coach? Yeah, it, it doesn't make much sense at all, especially if you look at the teams they've played. The Anaheim Ducks are sit 27th in the league and uh, Montreal, who's, you know, playing a little better, but they're, they're still – uh, one of the bottom bottom teams in the league, um, and none of those teams scary offensively. So it, it's it's a concerning trend, and and it goes back to you know I, I read a quote that Pierre LeBrun shared uh, the other day about a conversation he had with John Cooper about some of the things that frustrated him coaching uh, Tampa last year, and he said uh, the one thing we had to change is that we had an offensive arrogance to us. So, for instance, if they were up 3 nothing in a game, instead of winning the game 3 nothing, they wanted to win 6 nothing, And that makes so much sense when you look at, you know, trying try to describe this Maple Leafs team, is that they can score at will. But the thing this team has to understand 
is proper game management. When you're up three nothing, you don't need to win four nothing, five nothing, six nothing. Your skill alone, capitalizing on the other team's mistakes that have to open up their game plan to try to get back in the game, will allow you to get to that point. But for this Maple Leafs team, it just seems like they they want to play the same way, even though they're up by a couple of goals. And it's almost like um, you know, it's it's the maturity that Sheldon Keith talks about, where um, you. You want to develop a certain style of play when you're up by a couple of goals and develop, and have a certain style of play when you're down by a couple of goals. And everybody knows this Maple Leafs team can score goals, but it's understanding the time and situation of the game where you have to make smart plays with the puck, where you have to make um, you, you have to understand what zone of the ice you're in uh, that, that 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 makes you understand the right play to make the two foot pass instead of the hundred foot pass, the, the play in front of you instead of the play behind you. And these are things that are catching up to this Maple Leafs team that, uh, you know, that, that are costing them. Because let's be honest, if you're a team playing the Maple Leafs and you're going into the third period, what's the conversation you're having in the room? Guys, these guys will buckle. Stay on them. They're going to try to play cute. You know, let's stay with it. Let's stick with our game plan. We'll get our goals. And, you know, on, on, like if, if, you, if you look at the way the games have, have, especially in this last week, you talk about Florida, the Rangers, and even against uh, Anaheim and Montreal. This team, they can play the first 40 minutes, but their mindset has to change in the last 20 if they feel if they, if they have any chance of making the playoffs. Carlo, what's disturbing is their top four players are producing, and they're and they're not yeah, winning. And they're not winning. Yeah, I mean, and and what was the conversation early on in the year under Babcock was that, oh man, these guys are making way too much money. They're not producing the way they should. Well, that narrative has changed with this group. These the top players are stepping up. They're carrying this team on a nightly basis. Uh, Freddie Anderson's been the, the backbone of this team, and and they've been getting great goaltending out of the newly acquired Jack Campbell. But uh, it's again, it's when you go back to the way this team is constructed. I've always criticized that they have too many of the same players, which is why they need to identify that you need certain type of role players, certain type of guys that can go out there that you can trust to win a big faceoff, that you can trust to shut down and play a defensive shift. When you have two guys, too many guys in your team thinking the same way, puck possession, great offense, uh, keep the puck, you know, there's some guys that can do it and some guys can't. So um, maybe that's a conversation the coaches need to have with those, with those certain type of players and let them understand what their role is at each type of the game. And that's, that's the learning curve. That's, that's the maturity process of this group moving forward. Well, speaking of the maturity process, I mean, again, to your point with, uh, you know, pass him and you should shoot, shoot him and you should pass, last night in the overtime, and I don't mean to pick on him, but Barry, yeah. I mean, why are you shooting the puck from the top of the red yeah. circle with Marner and Matthews beside you? And yeah. it seems to me... Skating forward at the same time. Exactly. And I mean, it seems to me that teams have figured the Maple Leafs out because, as you say, you know, they're winning 3 nothing. You don't have to win 5 nothing. So what they do is they say, just bend but don't break. These guys uh-huh. will turn the puck over. And that seems to be the consistent theme right from the start. And ironically, the things that got Mike Babcock fired that he preached and preached and preached from the time he walked in here are all the things that have not been corrected outside of players getting more ice time. And, and you're right. And I think, I think they're starting to recognize that uh, as management that um, it's fun to play this way, but come crunch time, it's hard to win this way. And, you know, I think there's the one thing this team lacks too is that veteran presence, like a Ron Haines, you like a Patrick Marlowe, uh, to be able, or even an Azam Kadri, to be able to settle things down when things are going 
array. Like it, it, it's, it's crazy how this team over the last year or over this past season has let games get away from them in short spurts. It's almost like when one mistake happens, it compounds into another, into another. Next thing you know, the game's gotten away from them. Uh, you know, with, with veteran presence and veteran leadership. And yeah, John Tavares, I think, is a great example of a captain. But who's his supporting cast? I mean, he's got a bunch of young players that, you know, w- want to have fun playing hockey, want to play the skill game, want to play the offensive game. But you also need to understand the emotions that go through the game. And sometimes it just, it's, it's taking a, taking a step back, taking a breath of fresh air and understanding that, okay, this can't work. Let's turn the switch back. Let's do the simple things. Let's be composed with the puck. Let's play within our structure and make the right decisions with the puck that are going to help us and not cost us. Now, Carlo, having been a player yourself, let's switch gears for a minute and trade your microphone for a hockey stick. What, with two weeks, you just mentioned it, with two weeks to go before the trade deadline, what's going through players' minds as they enter the rink every day and going and behind closed doors at the dressing room? Well, I, I, this is always a tough time of year to play as a player because you're thinking about so many things that are going on outside of the things you should be concerned about, and that's playing hockey. Uh, players have no control about what happens. Um, if anything, it, it should it should it, it should make guys recognize the importance of being ready and staying ready for the game they need to play. Prep, prep, preparation for each game, um, you know, playing with a sense of urgency. Um, you know, playing with confidence. Because at the end of the day, if you go out and play and show the team that you're capable of doing what's asked, then there's no conversation that's being had of you being a piece moving somewhere else. But obviously right now with the struggles of the Maple Leaf had, it would be catastrophic if this team doesn't make the playoffs. Um, so, you know, with, with some players like Janssen and Kapanen who constantly hear their names being floated around, uh, the only thing they can, can do and the only thing they have to do is control the way they need to play because everything else is all noise. They have no control about what happens. But now that the Maple Leafs have a luxury that nobody thought they would have going into, into the trade deadline, um, it, does, it does increase um, the, 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 the possibility of something like that happen. I just want to throw this to you guys. I mean, the Toronto is experiencing two different highs. Or, sorry, two, two different emotions when you talk about their sports teams. The Raptors are playing incredibly well. They just won their 14th straight game, and, and the Maple Leafs are fighting for the playoffs. Think about the narrative we entered starting the season where the Maple Leafs were the team that nobody thought would do anything at the deadline, and the Raptors would be the team moving pieces at the deadline. Now the Raptors are preparing themselves for another championship run, and the Maple Leafs are trying to squander to get in. Like It's crazy uh, how the narrative has changed between two teams. Well, Carl, I, I, I think that's a really, really great point make and you just look at the way the teams are constructed which you just talked about very briefly about the Toronto Maple Leafs is you got you got four or five guys that are, are that are the same player mm-hmm. you, look, oh, you got you more look, than that you probably more, got more than that, guys <laughs> fair enough right and you know they're they're constructed in a certain way you know Masai and now with Nick Nurse who's you know in, 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 in the top conversation for coach of the year in the NBA and he probably should be coach of the year Given the fact what what he's done with how he's managed this team through all the injury troubles, I mean, just look at the performance the Raptors are getting from their bench. I yeah. mean, it's, un, it's unbelievable, and how and how he's been able to develop the bench, manage manage the situation, uh, grow the players, develop them into players that they weren't 
you know, a year ago. It's it just actually, you know, you look at the Raptors and how they're able to win some of these games. Yeah, and some incredible. of the and, the and the lineup that's thrown out there at times, and this is not meant in a critical, but you know you're you're playing at times with five guys on the floor, or are your sixth to tenth guys, and they're winning. Yeah, it, yeah, I mean, it, it really is remarkable. And the reason why they're winning is because right from day one, they've they've been playing with a chip on their shoulder, and they've said to themselves, "We're not going to let excuses get in the way," and it's showing by. Um, the way the coach coaches and the way the players play. And, you know, again, it goes back to my point. And this has been my biggest criticism to the way hockey is trending. The value of having a veteran, older guy in a locker room as part of the team is enormous. And you look at this Raptors team, that's part of the reason why they're having the success they're having because the older guys and the veteran guys are not allowing mediocrity. And for the Maple Leafs, yeah, it, it, hockey is a younger game. Hockey is a younger league. Um, but the, 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 the value of having older guys, especially around this group, is, is instrumental. And it's, it's showing the, you know, the, the, this is the reason why we're having the conversation around maturity. And, you know, the, the, with this Raptors group, and it's funny. You think about two narratives. The Leafs, it's funny how the Leafs are such a hated team because of the way they're playing, but the Raptors are so loved, even though they lack star power. That's what a championship means to, to them, though. It has everything to do with it. Yeah, it all goes back to Masai. Masai will do whatever it takes to make the yeah, team better. He's cutthroat. But uh, at some and, point... And, and you know what? He, he, you know, he, he, he shipped the Rosen out of town uh, to bring in Kawhi, popular player. He shipped Valanchunas out of town to bring in Gasol, popular player. Yeah, But, you know, I mean... Uh, he's, he he will do whatever it takes to win, and he I think he understands more than probably anybody is you, you got to have the right pieces. Yeah, you know you have to have different skill sets. Uh, you know at different times of the game, fulfilling different functions, and you got to get you know you got to squeeze uh, performance out of ten, eleven, twelve players. Uh, and I think he understands that perhaps better than anybody else in basketball. Well, the other thing to that though is he he doesn't play the game, so at some point the players have to be accountable. And the word yeah. the words work ethic have to come into play here. And the Toronto Maple Leafs should take an example of that. Well, guys, we are uh, as usual. Time oh, no, is I, our I got Mike. I got to I oh. got to interject for just a second. Uh, of course, uh, there's something very very important I want to chat about. Sorry, I didn't get a chance to chat with you and Naz about it, but I just. Yeah, it, it came across me late, and it's something I really, I really need to talk about with Carlo because it's an important story. Okay, uh, Carlo has given us give, gave us permission to talk about it. Uh, February fourth was World Cancer Day, and uh-huh. there's, an inc- there's an incredible young man, Carlo, your son Leo. Yeah, uh, you've nice. tweeted about him. He's, I think, he's two or three years old. He's fighting off. Uh, fighting and and he's he's a warrior. He's got the heart of a champion. Um, we love to tell these stories. Um, it's such an important story. Uh, he's been fighting um, leukemia, uh, uh, a different, but he's 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 doing a fantastic job. Uh, Carlo, please tell us about your little Leo. Yeah, I, I appreciate the kind words. Um, yeah, my son's uh, going to be three in March, and uh, 10 days after his second birthday, he was diagnosed with leukemia. And it was the shock and devastation that uh, any parent, um, you know, ne- never wants to go through. 
But uh, I must say, through through strength and through prayers and through amazing support of our friends and family, he's been doing uh, tremendously well. Um, he got through the 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 first year of treatment, which they say is uh, the hardest, and uh, now he's uh, he's in maintenance uh, maintenance phase in his treatment for the next two years. And I, I can't, I, I honestly, there, there's no words to describe. Um, how proud me and my wife and our family is of uh, the strength he's shown to get through this battle and the, the, the positivity that he's given us on a day-to-day basis, uh, knowing the fight that he's going through. So, um, you know, it's, 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 it's unfortunate what he's going through, but uh, um, he's going he's gonna to beat this thing. He's going to uh, uh, thrive in the rest of his life. Uh, one, because he's got the support of everybody around him, but He's shown us the strength that he can overcome everything, and it's uh, it's something that um, it's it's a characteristic that uh, uh, really pushes me on a daily day basis to be the to, to be the best I can be, and 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 do everything I can um, to show him that uh, you know I'm there for him, and that that uh, you know we're in this fight together. So uh, tough little man, uh, he's been through a lot. Um, you know, recently he he had a little bit of a an accident as well too. He broke his femur bone in his leg. So he's, uh, he's, uh, he's a tough little kid, but uh, I tell you what, man, the guy wakes up every morning, smiling, happy and ready to take on the challenge of the next day. So I appreciate uh, you, uh, you bringing him up. I appreciate everybody's support around uh, the, the fight that we're going through. And uh, we look forward to, uh, to continue, uh, you know, to, to move forward with this thing. And, and, uh, and and help them fight the fight. Well, it's one of those horrific uh, diseases that has affected all of us at some point or another, and so everybody can feel kind of what you're going through. So, I mean, I appreciate that. Yeah, the, the, and, the, and the real superhero in all this is my wife. I, I've got. To, I can't uh, can't uh, you know go on without mentioning how much um, effort and support and everything that she's done to uh, help us. Um, you know, get through on a daily basis. And uh, who knows where we'd all be without her. Well, that's fantastic. Well, Carlo, listen, we wish nothing but the best, obviously, and, and pushing forward. And uh, we want to thank you very much for joining us this morning. Uh, your insights were uh, terrific. And hopefully some of the Maple Leafs were listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's hope. <laughs> okay. Let's hope. okay. Carlo, guys. thank you from Florida. Thank you so much. I, we really appreciate that. And we'll, we'll chat soon. Thank okay, you. Guys, hey, thanks. guys, anytime. Okay, Take Carlo, care. talk to you soon. Okay, folks, and stay with us. We'll be back in a minute. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville declared, We'll never be the fastest! We'll never be the cheapest! We'll never be the snazziest dressed! What? Yeah, my point is, we want to be the best! At Pizzaville, we want to make the best pizza. Stone-baked, the traditional Italian way. Pizzaville stone-baked pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. 
To become a champion in business, it takes coaching, training, and bench strength. And every team needs a skilled player like KPMG Enterprise for private companies. KPMG Enterprise helps entrepreneurs and family businesses grow, strengthen, and transition by offering a full suite of services, including audit, accounting, tax, and advisory. Your business doesn't stand still. It evolves. Team up with a winner. Visit kpmg.ca slash enterprise. Let's do this. The security business is easy, right? Anyone can learn it. Perhaps they can learn it on duty with your valuables at stake. Perhaps they can learn it in a crisis situation that requires an immediate intelligent response when lives are at risk. After all, what harm can a few mistakes make? Plenty. When it comes to security for your business or office, an experienced partner like Regal Security makes sense. Security is what they do. Peace of mind is what they provide. Visit them online at regalsecurity.ca and find out how much they know, not how much they can learn. Are you real ready? If you're a real estate agent, we can help you sell more homes. A business owner? We'll help show it off to the community at large. And if you're a homeowner, we'll supply accurate floor plans for every room in your home. Because selling property is all in the details. Real Tours Media. Creators of 3D virtual tours, walkthrough video, HDR photography, logos and brands. Check out the one-stop shop for successful real estate agents. Realtoursmedia.ca There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. There are two ways to argue sports with these guys, and none of them work. The boys are back, the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zuma Radio. Yeah, welcome back. I'm Mike Wilson, the Ultimate Leafs fan, along with Naz in studio and Wally joining us from Florida. Uh, guys, I thought I'd switch gears for a second. We may come back to the Leafs in a second here, maybe to, uh, you know, wrap up. But, um, you know, again, we, we should talk about Mr. Nick Taylor and, you know, being a golfer yourself. Wally, you can throw in something here, but... Um, He's got a chance to win today, go wire to wire, and he's up against a pretty tough opponent and lefty, Phil Mickelson. But um, what do you think? Uh, I like his chances. I think he's. I think he's a good player. I think he's got game, and uh, uh, I, I won't say that Mickelson's best days are behind him. Um, they 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 probably they probably are, but he's still one of the best golfers in the world. But uh, I like this kid, Nick Taylor. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna be watching and looking for big things from him today. I I think this is going to be his afternoon. Now, really do you remember? Do. do you remember back in '03, I believe it was, when Mike Weir won and the, the, the pro- Masters? At, yeah. No, that was '04. '03 when oh. he won and he had Gretzky as his amateur player. <laughs> okay. And yeah. Gretzky on the 13th hole picked up his yeah. ball. Yeah. Because Weir yeah. was in contention. That's it's just, so. It's been a friendly place for Canadians. So hopefully, a little bit of that magic rubs off today. Well, well he was uh, he was projected to be a great player when he was younger. I remember that name all I through. I think he was. If, if I'm not mistaken, he was for a couple of years. He was the number one amateur player in the world. Um, he was either number one or number two. I'd have to go Google it again. Yeah, he had a he had a he had a great amateur career. He was very very highly rated. 
Uh, of course, uh, you know, you see his name on the leaderboard every now and then. Um, you know, um, I mean, it's all, I mean, he's got the game for it. It really comes down to how he's, you know, how he's able to handle the pressure. Uh, in golf, sometimes, <laughs> uh, you know, I've never played it at a competitive level, but, you know, you know, but, you know, those, those five foot, five, six foot putts when you need them, and maybe there's a, maybe there's a couple of, couple of dollars on the line, um, the, probably the only pressure I've ever faced playing golf, but, you know, uh, going up against one of the greats in history, uh, basically in pretty close to the guy's home backyard, um, can be a pretty, uh, pretty tough nut. Um, so it's all about his composure, his caddy. You know, Nick Taylor's caddy is going to be a very important person today. They, you know, they think caddies just carry a bag around. Uh, the really good caddies are know how to manage their golfer's game, and they know how to manage their golfer's psyche. Um, so I don't know who his caddy is. I may do a little bit of Google research after I get off the air today, but his caddy's got a very important function today because uh, inevitably at some point in time, Nick Taylor's going to hit some bad shots. You can't go, it's pretty tough to go 18 holes without hitting a bad shot or a bad putt. And it's up to his caddy to keep him focused and to uh, have him recover from whatever bad shots he hits at any point in time. But I'm feeling, uh, I've always liked Nick Taylor. Uh, I think he's a really good golfer, really good kid. And, uh, you know, like I say, we're, uh, he's, got a, he's got a country rooting for him today. Wally, Jordan Spieth, he's losing his. Uh temper on the golf course what's wrong well, with he's that? losing his temper because his his, uh, his success isn't what it used to be for reasons that i don't know i mean you know what golf um you know there there there's you know there's for you know there's a tiger woods uh, there's a there's a phil mickelson there's guys jack nicholas's who've been able to be uh world-class golfers and 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 hall of fame golfers for 20 30 years but they're the exception to the rule uh there's a lot of golfers who get initial success for two three four years and then for whatever reason they can't maintain the same level of success so you know he's probably to a certain extent frustrated uh he'll turn it around at some point they all you know most of the time they always do i always love jordan speed uh, I like his game. I always liked his demeanor. He's probably a bit frustrated right now, but uh, he's got to figure it out. Well, he's got that, uh, you know, country club uh, attitude that uh, people are tired of and that, that the tennis players and golfers always get labeled with. Uh, well, they got to get humbled every little now little bit then, of right? a baby. So, so you know, yeah. he's got to toughen up and stop whining and complaining and just and play yeah. the game. That's it's no as question. simple as that. I mean, stop being such a suck. So and speaking of... Speaking of... Speaking of that, uh, you were talking about pressure. I think Lee Devino probably puts it best when he was asked about winning pressure. I know where you're going with this. The Canadian Open, CPJ, and U.S. Open, he said, that's not pressure. He said, pressure is paying a $50 NASA with no money in your pocket. (laughs) That's real pressure, okay? So speaking of pressure, let's let's, uh, use this as a segue into pressure on the authorities. I'm going to catch off guard in this one, Wally, because you guys talked about this a couple weeks ago. But with the Houston Astros, and I watched an interview with A.J. Finch, this week, Hinch this week, and it's just ridiculous the nonsense he was spewing about uh, that he hopes that people realize that the the advantage they had from the, the strikes and all that stuff from the, the pitch count stuff coming at them was um, you know, hope people realize that that wasn't a big factor and they'll make their own decisions. That's nonsense. Uh, I 
the title should be stripped away from these guys and all anything attached to it. And if that's the case, then why is Pete Rose not in the Hall of Fame? Well, Bobby, Pete Rose has been, uh, I'm sure you've noticed in the press lately, yeah, absolutely. Uh, that, that he says, why am I not in the Hall of Fame? Actually, Naz and I talked about this uh, a couple of weeks yes, ago, and, and uh, I said what, what Pete Rose did is a hell of a lot less, is not as bad as what the Houston Astros did, because Pete Rose, he bet on baseball. But he didn't bet. He didn't bet for his team to lose. He didn't. He didn't take advantage of anything. There's no. There's no evidence whatsoever that anything he did ever impacted any game that he ever managed it. You can't say the same thing about the Houston Astros. Now, is is the Pete Rowe situation and the Houston Astros situation the same thing? Uh, I, 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 you know, I, I don't want to evaluate one in the context of the other. You know, whether Pete Rose should be in the Hall of Fame, we've chatted about that on the show. I've always said, yes, he should be in the Hall of Fame. Absolutely. Absolutely. Irrespective of what the Houston Astros did. I don't care about that. Pete Rose is one of the best players to have ever played baseball. 4,400 hits. Just think about that. When $3,000 is is the whole, uh, $3,000, 3,000 hits is the Holy Grail. He's got 4,400 of them, and he's not in the Hall of Fame? Are you kidding me? That's 20 years of 200 hits. It's been enough. You know what? He's paid his price. He got suspended from baseball. You know what? He didn't need to be suspended for his entire life. You know what? 25 years. Give him a suspension. I get it. What he did was wrong. I'm not going to justify what he did, but the punishment doesn't fit the Should Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens be in, too? Uh, that's a really interesting discussion we don't have time for because we've got about three minutes. But going back to the – we, uh, I'd have to really think about that one. We'll we'll have that debate another time. So very quickly as we're running out of time here, Naz, yeah. what do the Leafs have to do to improve uh, moving forward? They have to they have to play better, obviously, in their own end. And it's very important because they're, they're, they're the top guys are producing and they're not winning. That's something – there's something wrong with the situation where your top four players are producing – and you're not winning. Who let me traded? ask you. Let me ask you this, Naz. Let me ask you this: Is you 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 watch these games perhaps with finer detail than I do? You know, Austin Matthews got 40 goals. Uh, Mitch Marner's scoring at an incredible pace. Tavares is bringing his game together. You know, we've got. I don't know. I, where do you rank these players? Uh, do they? I mean, I know they're bringing it offensively. But I think the least from the, you know, we criticize the team defense. I'll throw it to you two guys really quickly. We criticize well, let, let me, the let defense, me. but isn't isn't the problem it's the entire way the team plays defense? Let me tell you something. Austin Matthews has been the best player in the NHL for the past month. Why? Just because he's scoring goals? No, no, because he's playing a 200-foot game. He's back okay. in his own end. Watch the way he plays. He's incredible. He's now not. He's still. Play, he's starting to play with a bit of an edge. And guys give him a shot. He cross checks them back. He's knocking guys down. He's played like six three and two hundred thirty pounds. So that's the thing. Again, coming back to Mike Babcock, he's always preached him. You've got to learn to separate yourself from the pack, and he's starting to do that. And he's getting more room. Uh, but I'll the, ask both of you guys really quickly. We got twenty let's, seconds. Let's, where 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 does Austin Matthews rank in the league in terms of? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, or eight. Well, it's, it's hard to see because we don't watch the other guys as much as we watch him. But I mean, he's in that. He's in the conversation. Obviously, he's got forty goals. He's leading the league in scoring with Ovechkin, and uh, just look at the way he's playing. Uh, you know, his he is exactly the protocol of which you have to have to win a Stanley Cup. He's, a big, he's tough a t- center. He's definitely a top five player for he's, sure. For sure. Well, ask this: How many teams wouldn't take him? <laughs> 
Okay, so I mean, I think on that note, boys, I think we're uh, right on the bell here, so we have to call her a day again. Uh, we, as usual, time is always our enemy. Wally, Mike Babcock to Buffalo, watch. You Naz, you're always ahead of the curve. Oh, Naz, he always throws one down. Okay, Wally, thanks again as usual. Naz, Thank you, Mike. We'll back next week. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.